BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This week on Last Words, we're talking Eddie Van Halen with Mike McKenzie of Where Your Wounds and Mike Sullivan of Russian Circles. Play the intro, I'm sad. Folks, we record our shows on Tuesday nights and it's October 6th, uh, 2020. And we just found out that the most iconic guitarist maybe ever has passed away. It's Eddie Van Halen. It's a special episode. So we have two mics here with us from the Red Chord and Umbra Vitae. We have Mike McKenzie. And from Russian Circles, we have Mike Sullivan. We got two mics here. Uh, Van Halen, the band, is my favorite band in the world. They, make, they made me like, like music the way that I do. It's weird to be sad, but also, as I realized today, it is impossible to be sad and listen to Van Halen. Totally. I, like all of us, have like been spinning them nonstop today. And it's, it brings back so many fond memories and no one's bummed out and puts on a Van Halen record and stays bummed out. It pulls out the joy in you. So it's kind of like, not that you'd automatically celebrate someone's life upon their death, but right away you're like, damn, this band was so much fun. And I don't listen to fun music really, but Van Halen was a really fun <laughs> band. I hate fun music, but Van Halen was so great across the board that I've been kind of in a good mood too, despite the awful, horrible news, you know, it's tragic. I didn't know he was that sick. I knew Eddie was, you know, ill, but I didn't know it was gonna pop up this sudden, but uh, I, I share your feelings of like a duality of feelings right now. Mike McKenzie, how are you feeling? Definitely on the same wavelength there. Even when everything sucks, like this particular existence, uh, you can still hear, uh, <laughs> a van halen riff or song or chorus or whatever or solo and you just get fired up or ridiculous synths it is a weird feeling but um and i also hate fun music but i love van halen <laughs> yeah both of you guys have uh ruined my lives at two different generations <laughs> at two different times mike mckenzie the red cord uh like wrecked me in high school and now both, and then for uh, like a lot of my 20s, Mike Sullivan out here making me wistful, trying to grow <laughs> as a human being, but in a sad way. And now both of you at the same time. But here we are, we're talking about, we're talking about Van Halen. They, they have such a, a specific type of fun music. I, th I feel like everybody lumps them in with hair metal, all the time because they started the like the trend of hair metal but they barely sound like uh like hair metal songs minus just that the guitar playing has a lot of distortion and it's very flashy 
a lot of like it sounds like hair metal and then also Sammy Davis Jr. And then <laughs> like a barbershop quartet from the Looney Tunes. They're the Van Halen songs are fucking <laughs> weird. They're a weird band. There's and every piece of it, every piece of them is unique. Like there's no one that there's of course no one that plays guitar like Eddie. There's also just no one that, that sings like David Lee Roth. No one no one like scats and boobaps and then like screams <laughs> like a pterodactyl and then just ends and like dresses like a homeless drag queen and does split kicks. Awesome. Back in the day, all of them legends, Eddie Van Halen, unlike unfortunately David Lee Roth. I mean, he's always had his chops. And I think today what really struck me was just the vast, uh, the vastness of his influence and how many different generations of both musicians and people have just been so influenced by him. You know, you saw everyone from Geezer Butler to Tombs to, I mean, every band musician imaginable of every era from then and now paying tribute to him. I mean, I don't think I saw a single person who didn't. And that, that says a lot. You know, that right there is a legacy when you can transcend genres and generations and make your mark that prominently that everyone is affected by it. It, it's, it was you know, really just a true testament to what a legend and how greatly he defined the genres of rock and heavy metal. So one thing I, 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 got, to, I got to chime in real quick just to say that we had two mics came out against fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm trying to imagine someone being in the front row, smiling and having a good time, and you stop, are, are, are you having fun? This is not, <laughs> this is not time for fun, all right? This is serious get here. Security, get this no guy fun. out of here. Yeah, so, somebody's having fun. I think that, but it made me actually think about about Eddie in particular because he was one. Like, there's this real dividing line between like the the rock bands of the '70s and then hair metal and then quote unquote like real metal, right? What was this whole thing of like I remember like Lamb of God? They used to have this rule like there was no smiling like on stage or in photos, but all Eddie did was smile mm-hmm. when he was playing. You know, he was and that and so there was a totally different and unique vibe that i would say like with like the metal world we only like shit like that that's old like if there's a new band that comes out and was doing that you're like look at these posers he's wearing but if it's old we're like it's great i hate fun (laughs) except when they do it but they're also they're the best like straight up like me van halen for what they did they're number one and i don't even know if there's a close number two i know for some people probably kiss is probably like the other band of that of the 70s that was doing glam and doing fun and doing big songs and over the top stuff but me i'm a van halen guy all day before before kiss oh my god yes very much so and i will say when it comes to that for guitarists i think the only other person i've ever really seen compared to uh eddie van halen is randy rhodes i think he's probably the only one that and he was very heavily inspired by uh, Eddie Van Halen. So I think that too says a lot when there's only one other person who really can come close to him when it comes to that era. I think even visually, you can see what's different about them. Like they're both famous for having very distinct tones and tapping solos in the 80s, in the early 80s. Like people were excited about it. Uh, obviously, I love both of them because I have a guitar that's kind of a combination of both like it's got an eddie van halen paint job but it's pink and it's got the randy headstock 
I had a weird day when this happened. Um, but I think it's very fun to look at both of their guitars and see like Randy Rhodes is very clean and he plays very precisely and it's very, it's elegant uh, with, with his style. And then you look at Eddie Van Halen's guitar and it's messy and it's wild. It literally, he looks like he was a mad scientist and like made a guitar out of a car battery and ran outside and it's just <laughs> roaring. It's nuts. It's crazy. I think it's really fun to see what's special about both of them. Cause I think, but I think, the key about the Eddie Van Halen guitar playing is he didn't invent like having a personality when you play or like like having playability with personality, but I think he made it necessary after you heard him. Like ev now every guitarist uh, after Eddie Van Halen can't just be a good player. Like they have to have like their thing now. And I think that that's what's kind of like a lasting legacy from him as a player. Funny, yesterday I was listening, I was driving through town, long drive, and I put on 1984, which is my favorite record by Van Halen. And that was my entry point to the band, so it always has a special meaning to me. But I found myself like rewinding solos, rewinding parts I needed to hear again, because he's that inventive. And it, just, it still like blows my mind how clean and articulate he plays with not heaps of distortion. Like sometimes there's more gain than others, but it's such a clean player and so expressive that that launched a whole genre of imitators and they were so authentic. And kind of like what Doc was saying about injecting fun into everything and everybody kind of latching onto that. They were so authentically fun that it gave them freedom to do whatever the fuck they wanted to do. And to Jordan's mm. point about them covering multiple genres, they had the freedom to do that because they had the confidence and the authenticity behind it because they were so expressive, no matter which genre they were doing. But hearing Eddie's playing, it just like knocks, it's like a gut punch. It knocks me down how technically proficient he was. And both him and Randy came from classical worlds where they were well-versed in classical music. And you can hear that in Eddie. He may switch modes in, within a song and you just hear him and knock it out of the park. There's no like, oh, should I do this note or that note? It just, it's second nature. His comfort on the instrument is second to none. I, like to me, it's not even like Randy and Eddie. It's like Eddie and Jimmy, as far as the two important pillars of rock music. Um, I would put Dimebag to me as the third. Fuck yeah. You know, in term, but I, but I also put it in terms of not just advancing the instrument and the technical prowess. I think also the kind of iconography of the individuals um, that kind of, like I said, either one of those guys, you could see a silhouette of them, you know, and you get it. You could see a piece of, you know, just their, the image, the, per, you know, the, per, the personalities, there's something kind of bigger. And that's what, to a certain degree why I think Randy, I think just purely as a guitar player and songwriter, of course was really influential, but the, Pop, there's a reason why Randy wrote why Eddie Van Halen is on a Michael Jackson song and Randy Rose isn't, though. I mean, part of that is because obviously Randy Rose passed away pretty yeah. early as well. So it's, but I, but I do think even if that persisted, there always is one that kind of shines out above. You know, it's, it's not like, for example, like is uh Dimebag better guitar than Steve Vai? Probably not, but 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 Dimebag just represented something that was bigger and more iconic. You know, that is like just there's only a few of those people once a generation, maybe if you're lucky. 
I all of these people we're talking about have personality in their guitar playing. Like you brought up Jimmy Hend- Jimmy Hendrix invented having personality in your guitar playing. He's like, listen, I my guitar sounds like a fucking storm and I can control it a little bit. And then everybody else kind of made their own like uh, disaster noises with it. And it's awesome. I think we might have seen something like that from Randy Rhodes if he lived a little longer. Like Ozzy talks about how he was going to not be a part of Ozzy Osbourne after Diary of a Madman anyway. And he was going to go off to do his own thing. Uh, Mike McKenzie, do you want to, you want to, you want to talk about how you discovered Van Halen for the first time? I don't have an exact moment when it happened, but when I was uh, probably about nine years old, I would tape a lot of the, uh, just the guitar solos from the songs on the radio. And I would not, I wouldn't tape the whole song. I would just wait for the solo to come on. And everybody's guitar plan, and there's 1989, 90 was when I was nine years old. So, you know, every guitar solo that was on was already ripping off Eddie's playing. I remember some interview with CC DeVille was talking about um, how he's a terrible guitar player. And I remember as a nine-year-old kid being like, I don't think this guy's a terrible guitar player. This guy's, he's all over the place. DC DeVille has like famously one of the worst guitar solos in the world. <laughs> like it's not, I didn't decide that the world decided that. I actually, I, I don't even, I don't even know it. What, what song? Pick one. It's poisoned. I'm sure there's multiple terrible. Songs. Yeah, they're bad. They're a bad band. But my point is that <laughs> um, his playing ability, his ability, his technical ability is, to me, I mean, especially as, as a nine-year-old kid, his technical ability was solid. I uh, began to realize how many guitar players were stealing ideas from Eddie as I listened to more and more Van Halen. And a more funny story I have uh, that that uh, endeared me to Van Halen was when uh, my friend and I had watched uh, the movie In the Mouth of Madness. And we were kids, and it scared us. And it was the middle of the night and we were and the, you know, there's that scene where like a guy uh, is like riding a bike in the middle of the road or something. It's this, you know, creepy moment. We were driving home and we saw a guy riding his bike in the middle of the road right after watching it. And we were all freaking out and we were like, turn on some music. And we turned on the radio and it was Jump, which instantly just washed waves of, of uh, safety over us. We felt like... Uh, like a big hug from the, from the riffs. Uh, <laughs> and that was definitely like a moment where I was like, I love Van Halen. That, that rules. Getting the hug from Jump. Mike yeah. Sullivan. I've told this story recently for a different website, but I'll say it again. My first memory in life ever was kind of a Van Halen moment. I had an older brother by five years, so he was feeding me music my whole life pretty much. But that was mid-80s and... 1984 was out and that was on the radio, yada, yada. So my first memories ever were on my parents' porch, having a tennis racket and trying to be Eddie Van Halen on the porch because that was my stage playing to the, all the blades of grass for the thousands of people. Ever since then, that was like the moment of like, this is the best shit in the world. And from Van Halen, I got into Metallica. From Metallica into aggressive heavy music from there into punk rock and Fugazi and shellac and then all over the place where that but it was all because of Van Halen that all that came down from Eddie and his playing and his playing 
when I listened to it today and yesterday, after it had been a minute prior to hearing it, it still sounds like the future. It always sounds like I'm hearing it the first time. Nobody sounds like him. There's so many imitators and no one has that like unique quality to it that he has. And it is so entertaining. It's not just a, well, that's a cool riff. It's like, damn, what the fuck is he doing there? Like, it's so much fun to listen to. And one side little caveat here. I caught them on a tour in 2015 also. And I had two shows I was seeing back to back. Um, the first one was Van Halen. I went with my brother and it was awesome. We got to see Eddie, got to see David Lee Roth. And it was more about a comedy show with David Lee Roth than just the guitar playing alone. So it was two worlds, fun to see that happen. And the next night I saw Godspeed Black Emperor play outside in the rain. And I was just, they were doing a very slow drone full, like each member to walk on stage every few minutes to a drone. And meanwhile, it's raining. And I was just like, I love you guys, but holy shit, Van Halen slayed so hard last night and <laughs> like killing me. Can you guys just go up there and do something fucking like, and they were totally great in their own right. But coming don't say to- fun. I thought you don't like fun. <laughs> don't, don't say you wanted to do something fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. ask your money back. Some of you crack a fucking bill. Lighten up up there. Yeah. I would love a fun Godspeed, but this is as fun as it would be. It would just be the car's on fire <laughs> and the hot shoe burns down the avenue. It, it would have been great to see them on one bill, like how Godspeed opened up. <laughs> hey, you. Who said that? Baby, how have you been? <laughs> so for me, I guess my story is kind of twofold because the first time I really heard Van Halen and liked it, I didn't know it was Van Halen for a few years. Um, it was the Power Rangers movie. And there's, you know, an iconic scene of them in the beginning uh, skydiving on like, well, they're all skydiving, one on a skateboard. And the song that's playing is Jump. And anytime I heard that song, whether it was like in the car at my mom and she had on the radio or in like a store somewhere because it was that commercial and popular, that's where my mind always went. I always just thought of this movie and I just liked that song because it was fun and it kind of just brought me back to a movie I really enjoyed in my childhood, even well after I'd grown out of that phase. And uh, I, I don't know what year that movie came out or how old I was, but I know it was many years later. I was probably about 14 or 15 and I had an AM FM radio in my room. And I used to listen to two things. Uh, during the day, uh, I would listen to WSOU, which is a radio station in South Orange, New Jersey, that broadcasted to where I lived in, in New York. And uh, I, I always liked the Tool Time at 12 and the Midnight Meshuggah. And then every Friday night, I would listen to Q1043 with Eddie Trunk. And that's where I learned a lot of these old man rock bands, you know, the Scorpion and UFO. And <laughs> sure enough, one of the bands I learned from his show and fell in love with was Van Halen. And uh, I wish I could remember exactly what song it was that he played because I don't. Um, but later on, I do know I went and this is the days of, I believe Napster was over, but I think now at this point we had LimeWire, I want to say. And I went and downloaded a ton of Van Halen. And I would say like sophomore year of high school was when I really got into like Van Halen and Pantera and a lot of these bands that I kind of skipped over the last like two or three years, I started listening to genre. But I definitely have to credit, ultimately, even though later on I realized, wow, oh my God, this is the Power Rangers song. I like this band, which I think gave me an appreciation for the Hagar era that a lot of people maybe don't have. Um, but it was definitely Eddie Trunk who really made me aware of the band and made me go into discovering the band. Um, yeah, so uh, thank you, Eddie. 
So for me, I was a child of the MTV era, or I'd say teenager of the, the MTV era. So I would see a lot of the videos, the older videos, you know, Jump and Pop the Teacher and all that. And, and also, you know, right now, it was like that era of, of, of MTV. But I think what really cemented Van Halen for me was I had uh, some older adult friends that would show me music. And this is this era where things were going from tapes to CDs. And there was something about hearing a CD for the first, like, like when it was brand new, everything sounded like you, like, it sounded like you hadn't, it was, you were hearing it for the first time. And I hadn't heard the first Van Halen record. And I remember hearing it. And to this day, I still don't think that he ever got a tone as good as the first album. It just sounded mm -hmm. so crazy. And it was just like, and you're like, this came out, it's almost, you know, the kind of uh, reader what, what, what Mike Sullivan said, it just, you're like, how did this come out 15 years ago or whatever? Like, it didn't make any sense to me. Running with the Devil, you know, top two or three song, and then you hear Eruption and you're like, you thought you understood what guitar was about and you realized you didn't, you didn't know what the hell was going on. And it was, so it was just like this whole world opened. And I remember my dad, I think, got this the CD for like my birthday or Christmas. And I, I was just like injecting it in my, in, in my veins, you know, and it, and it just, you know, if you're a guitar player, you just can't help but feel like illuminated by it. Like it, it really grips you in. And to that point, you know, I started buying the tapes and new CDs and just, you know, I was a super fan. There is something about that first that first album. I think it's because it's like it's right when he figures out like the first version of like the Frankenstrat. Like it's the first time he's like, okay, uh Maple Fender Neck, Gibson pickup. That's what my sound and he's like fucking drills it together. I think it's like there's something about like the first experiment version of him building that uh, for that album. It's, it's, it's unreal. Um, I was, how I got into a lot of the music that I got into was I would check, I would like check out CDs from the library. I did that. Yeah. Like that's how I kind of got started with a lot of stuff. And that was just, I remember, um, a day I brought home Van Halen one and uh, Power Slave by Iron Maiden, and it fucked my life up. Do you guys have favorite Van Halen songs, or like kind of like a, I guess like a favorite B side? Because everybody loves the Panama. We all love Hot for Teacher. We know, we know we love Jump. We know we didn't love love Jump when we first heard it, but then we loved it. I mean, I don't know what's considered a B-side. You know, I mean, to me, those first four records, I could just pick anything off it. I guess the lesser known, the ones you're not going to really hear on the radio. But even then, I feel like I hear them all on the radio would maybe be like Fair Warning or maybe Ice Cream Man, you know, but it's just hard go. to really like, are those B-sides? Because again, I guess I feel this this band is so popular, they don't really have too many B-sides, at least on those first four records. I don't know, though. Maybe I don't really know what a B-side is, but that, I guess, the a literal B-side that I put on today, <laughs> and it's maybe too popular now, but it's like Unchained is so heavy. Yeah. That's a great song. That song has the best spoken word. Oh, uh, sure, totally, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> well, that that's like the, the Dave and Eddie, like, banter is, you can't beat that. What other band does banter and gets away with it? It's like, fuck yeah, do that. Only you guys can do it so well. But Unchained is just so heavy, and it's 
Yeah, flanger is like a four-letter word now. It's like, no, flanger rules. Use flanger. Eddie did it, and it ruled. So, but yeah. that's a glimpse of them kind of laying into the heavier side, and it totally ruled, you know? So that's one of my favorites. It's a, Yeah, that song is in, like, drop, it's in drop C or so. It's nuts. Yeah, it's a heavy one. I rediscovered right now, like, a couple years ago, and just literally, I think it's basically a perfect song. Like, it's so well written and and i think the thing that sets them apart i think from a lot of the other bands is you have this in 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 many ways you know pantera is very similar where there's a super high level musicianship but to a a layman it sounds simple but if you actually try and play this up it's super weird super musiciany but they really understood songcraft you know and were able to somehow you know know when to be to kind of like let the, their technical flair exist, but without overshadowing that. No, no, it's really about the song and it's gotta be connective and it's gotta be universal. Um, and it just gave them such a huge advantage. And that's why they were able to su- sustain their success through the nineties was because their stuff just felt, still felt really relevant, but you can only do that if you're a great songwriter and you're not just like, I'm gonna show off, you know? I do love that song. Uh, right now and i can't hear it without thinking of crystal pepsi but i love <laughs> but i love it it's <laughs> well it won people forget it won the, the the mtv video award that year and i'll always remember it because of that suit that uh that hagar was wearing this crazy was it it was like this polka dot suit like white suit oh. like a zoot suit kind of thing i'll always remember that <laughs> let's wrap this up final thoughts mike mckenzie my final thought is actually going to be a thought that I didn't really uh, express yet, but I've always been obsessed with that guitar tone. I've always been chasing that guitar tone my whole life that I've never really gotten there, but uh, not just this playing, but his, uh, his tone. I mean, obviously your playing is in your tone and vice versa, but uh, yeah, that, uh, that guitar tone changed music just as much as his riffs did. To add to what Mike was saying, Eddie has a Les Paul role, kind of, where he's a great player, amazing player, but also an innovator. And Les Paul gave us his signature guitar, and that changed rock and roll and make it thicker and heavier. Eddie, to put a humbucker in a Strat and to utilize the Floyd Rose like he did, changed everything. And him tinkering with amps, tinkering with tone, him being such like a tone junkie, gave us his heavy tones that we listen to now. So as much as you may or may not like Van Halen, you've been exposed to what he's innovated and what he's done. His footprint is all over, his handprint is all over rock music as far as tonally speaking. And also just listening today, side piece here, I didn't realize how similar in a way the the drums kind of like Alex Van Halen sounds a little bit like John Bonham just in the feel there's something about Mm. that that kind of is an anchor for the silliness that happens and all the playfulness that eddie gets into there's a foundation by alex that allows room for eddie to just go do whatever he wants to do and it's never like too silly or too weird because it's rooted in this like super strong rhythm section so that's going to age well i think too with the band despite all their shenanigans and all that but R.I.P. Eddie, you're an absolute hero to millions of people. So, R.I.P. That's a good point. We haven't talked about Alex Van Halen, but he's kind of like he's like a lion tamer 
for Eddie's guitar. Eddie's guitar always sounds like it's a roaring cat of some kind, just like it's and uh and Alex has to come in there and be like, all right, shut up for a little bit. And it's like <laughs> I'm I'm actually just kind of gonna build on what uh these guys just said. You know, I have three EVH amplifiers in this room. I've been playing uh his EVH line made by Fender and his PV amps, you know, going back for, for 20 years. And in many ways, you know, you look at uh like Dino Cazares from Fear Factory, his original uh Marshall 800 was wired to have the brown sound like Eddie Van Halen. I look at bands like Carcass, like all using the PV amps. I mean, that was, it's probably the most used metal amp, you know, maybe outside of a, a, a Best Boogie Dual Rectifier from the late, you know, kind of mid nineties through till now from the PV amps uh, through his modern amps. And it's almost like I said, I, I think it's, it's almost like how like people instead of say give me a soda give me a coke like to me van halen it's almost like a you could replace the word rock or metal or anything just with van halen like, it's, it's that big and that impactful that it's almost the impact is almost invisible at this point um or it's subliminal you know it's it's so kind of you ubiquitous so it's I'm, I'm i'm really stuck with it and i can't and even kind of talking about the 80s i think about the two to me the most two iconic songs of the 80s jump and beat it and he was part of both of them so it's all i gotta say man I, it sucks i love van halen and uh you know and i've been too busy listening to our assigned songs actually listen to van halen so when this is all done i'm gonna go give it give it some spins yeah oh yeah man yeah so kind of like playing off of like what doc is saying I mean, I don't have necessarily a player's uh, perspective on this like you guys do, but I do kind of sometimes believe as crazy as it sounds in like the butterfly effect. Like if one thing happens, it could change the course of everything else. And I really believe if Eddie Van Halen had never picked up a guitar uh, or had never existed, I don't know that rock would exist as we know it. I mean, obviously it would still exist. There would still be metal, but kind of like what Doc is saying, so many of these bands that we love would sound totally different because they would have lost a key influence in their lives. And I think, again, that just goes to show uh, what a strong influence and what a huge impact a legacy he's had um, on rock and metal just as a whole and on music as a whole. Because like Doc said, I mean, this man was on two of the greatest songs of the 80s, if not the greatest songs of the 80s, uh, both totally different. And you know what? It just, again, shows that the way he transcends and the way that his influence has touched everyone, even in unlikely places. I don't know. I, I don't I don't know what to add about uh Eddie that we haven't we haven't said already. I mean, I my entire uh <laughs> like social media presence uh speaks to like what that guy means to me. I wanna talk about I'm gonna my final thought is gonna be about David Lee Roth. Cause you came for him, Katie. You gotta leave him alone. He's 65 years old. Everybody's coming for these 65 year old singers who can't sing the way they used to. No, I don't know a 65 year old who talks the same way that they did when they were in their 20s. I don't, I don't know, know how man. You say that, to... but look at Bruce Dickinson, the man also and Rob, and Rob Halford. Halford, come on, come on. There's there's some true. fantastic ones out there. There really are. Oh yeah, but I'm just saying, like the majority, like this 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 happens like. The, the sands of time, they're coming for you. Sometimes they go right for the, they literally go for the throat, man. Uh, <laughs> so like cut him some, like him and everybody's like, comes for like him and Danzig. 
because they're out there like howling and and uh and, and literally like screaming a little noise it's gonna be rough on those guys so <laughs> let's just enjoy the fact like yeah like like uh like how mike watched uh the 2015 van halen set just watch it for the bits in between like i never got to Fair. see that show but i had a friend text me from that show and was like david lee roth came out and and his opening line was Sammy Hagar couldn't be here tonight. He's back in Pasadena washing my kimonos. And then they like <laughs> went and they fucking started the show. And that's what you want. That's David Lee Roth. Can I, I will just say, I, oh, sorry, real quick. Just really to, to put a pin in the Really good, I promise you. At the end of the day, I respect any singer, however old you are going out there and actually singing and not using a backing track. So yes, I am a bitch and I talk a lot of shit, <laughs> but I do respect the hell out of David Lee Roth for still going out there and actually singing into that mic. Cause there's a lot of bands out there such as kiss who do not. All right, we're pivoting. We're going to talk about new albums now and then cry about Eddie Van Halen later. We're going to start with Corey Taylor's uh, solo album, CMFT. If you like wrestling entrance music, this is for you. Uh, so I uh, I did have a chance to listen through to these a little bit. I I, I did I listened to the first track and a half. Uh, it's some uh, big catchy tunes. I don't know how to describe. I don't honestly. I don't know how to categorize um, poppy rock tunes other than calling them that. That's exactly what I was gonna say. This is you know look. Corey Taylor's already done metal. He's done Slipknot. He's already done hard rock. He's done Stone Sour. So, and I kind of thought about this too. Like, why is Corey Taylor doing a third project? What is this that he hasn't already done? So it makes sense. It's this pop album. And you know what? For a pop album, it's great. It's catchy. Just like Jordan said, absolutely. Like, I didn't think of that, but it's, it's so spot on. It is wrestling entrance music. Um, and it, it, mm. as he's doing, you know, it's, it kind of goes back to what we're talking about with uh, Van Halen. This is something, a man who is having fun. And I think it really just comes through every song. Well, I think you guys kind of are off on your description with the record. I think you let the the first single and video kind of color how you're viewing the record. And that song is really a complete out, outlier on the record. And I actually think, honestly, when I first started seeing the record and I wasn't feeling it. And I was like, I was like, I don't really know what's going on here. And then halfway through, I started to get it. And what he's actually doing, uh, actually, is he's kind of going for this uh, mid-70s to early 80s, uh, what I call jangly guitar Americana. It's like Rick Springfield <laughs> and Bob Seger. It's like, and mixed with this kind of like, well, I mean, I mean this, up like this up-tempo, corny rock and roll thing that is completely not of this era. What they're what they're going for? It's not an active rock record. It's not to me. It's it's pop in the sense of like what you would you turned on rock radio in 1981. What what you would hear? So it's it's very unique scenario. But I, I agree in the part that it's all fun and that's the whole point of it. But I think it's actually less um, you know kind of guided. Like, I think they really, it's like a band, like it, it sounds like a band when I listen to it. I'm like, it sounds like they were going for a thing. Um, and it's not necessarily my thing in terms of, cause I'm not really into that era, but I but I actually do get, get what they're going for. And I do think it's actually more left of center than it seems like 
despite the fact that he's he really knows how to make a rock ballad. And so I think the rock balladry part of it kind of colors it to a little bit to make you think like, oh, he's just doing the Stone Sour kind of radio thing. But I think there is some other element there that is quite different than everything else that's going on. I understand why you guys don't really connect to it. It's funny you said Americana because I was that was a word that popped into my head as well. But I I didn't listen to the single. I only listened to the first two songs on the record. The first one. So and I heard. Yeah. I listened to the whole record twice. And like I said, there's a. I was saying this has more in common with like John Cougar Mellencamp. I don't know about. I don't. I don't know if I would say that exactly though. I I because I do listen to that. I listen. I love Bob Seger. I love that shit. And I, I I could see it a little bit like to me, this sounded like country with the country removed from it. Like, and, that's I, and that's when I say wrestling entrance, that's music, Americana, but that's not. But, but what I'm saying here is why not Bob Seger. But here's why it's not wrestling music is because it's not. But muscular, it was three of not, these songs are, are in wrestling, like three of the like different songs. <laughs> I know, but you're but you're you're kind of taking a this kind of cross promotion and the element of, I think you're, he's, because he has a belt and then he has the rap song that was the single, but the album is not that, you know, it's, it's just not. I mean, he put out the one heavy song, Culture Head, which is sounds kind of like Sabbath, but most of the record just, just isn't it. I don't know. I think there's something else going on there. Um, And I just kind of, I disagree with you guys too. But, but, but by the way, I don't, it's, it's not, I don't think it's, the greatest thing in the world. I think it's fine. I think it's good. Um, and I and I and it grew on me. Um, but I do think it's actually a little more different. Or like I said, when I think of wrestling music, I would think, I don't know, like more like Five Finger Death Punch, which is right. like testosterone, yeah. tough guy. You know, th- it's not that. It's just not. I guess I'm thinking more of like '90s, like wrestling music. You know what I mean? Like where it wasn't. Not everything was like. Uh, Give me a band. What's a band? A band that sounds like wrestling music. What's a nineties wrestling music band? I don't. Okay, I don't know if this is a wrestling music band, but I will say this sounds like Buck Cherry, and Buck Cherry to me sounds like a wrestling music band. Does that? I. I there you I go. Buck like Cherry kind of was, like, was doing a like a kind of post glam thing, and this I'm telling you, it's not that, but. Like I said, I think we just have to agree to disagree. Well, I gotta say real quick with the glam thing, I did hear a lot of more like the parts to me that did sound metallic still didn't sound like metal. They sounded to me like right. hair metal, like that kind of stuff, like poison and like really like even like, kids, right. like, that, like disco you know. kind of stuff. Who's your favorite fedora wearer? <laughs> Who can pull off a fedora? Frank fucking Sinatra. Who's alive? <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, Bruno Mars does it pretty well. Mm, that's fair. Totally. I, I do have something to say about fedora wearing. Uh, I think there's certain rules in fashion. Like, um, if you're wearing a flying V, if you have a flying V guitar and you have shorts on, you, get, you better be pretty careful what kind of shorts you're wearing. You know, Pantera yeah. all wore shorts and fucking worked. And totally <laughs> cargo shorts, good yeah. to go. But if you have like short shorts and a V, that might get dodgy. If you have a fedora and some long hair, that can get pretty douchey. You gotta be, you gotta be very careful. If you're a clean cut, head to toe, and make it work, Bruno Mars is a great example of that. Like, but if you're like Kid Rockish, <laughs> the kid, that gets a little dodgy. I used to, no. I, I'm a weird hat wearer, and 
I'm aware of my own set of rules. And people will be like, oh, is that a fedora? <laughs> Fuck you, it's not a fedora. Here, let me draw you a fucking fedora, motherfucker. This is something different that also probably looks equally the same. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be called Kid Rocks quite often. No. It, it's very humbling. I'm going off the rails here, pardon me. <laughs> no, I love this. It's very humbling to be like, oh, I think I just follow the beat of my own drummer and I do my own thing. Great. Keep thinking that. But to the average Joe, you're just another dick who looks like Kid Rock. Like, wow. like you're not that special or different. Definitely be yourself. And I encourage everybody to be themselves. But like, well, don't you might think, be Kid Rock. But don't think you're cool because of it. Just do it because you like doing it. You know, like, <laughs> whatever you think makes you the coolest is usually the first thing people make fun of you for. I've realized too. So next album we have on the docket is Enslaves Utgard. I uh, I loved it. Well, the the one song I listened to, I I was really into it. It feels a little bit like, I don't know. I guess a little bit like older Enslaved. It's a little more brutal. They've gotten kind of proggy over the years, which is cool. It's definitely a little heavier. It kind of makes me uh, kind of reminds me of um. I think the record. Another thing I'm not going to be able to pronounce Mardrum. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's that it's that record before I think it came up before Below the Lights. It's real like gloomy and and gross and and this kind of feels like that uh era a little bit with the heavy somber vocals and it's, it sounds like you know not just like rainy day music but like downpour you know. This is rainy day in a boat music. Rainy you know day I'm in a saying? boat in a long ship with fog with some fog yeah, yeah. <laughs> I we talk we talk every week we get like a we get like a like um we get like a oh this is pirate metal or whatever I was like this is this is the good this isn't pirate metal this is Viking metal oh totally that's what I, I like we get you know I I think we, we have like a version of that that we're not excited excited about but yeah this 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 is Viking metal and. It's just, it's just the right, it's the right mixture of stuff. You know what I mean? It's, it feels, this, this, this album feels great to listen to. It makes me excited about like high production uh, metal. Um, and that's, that's, that's it. I don't, I don't love usually like, uh, like this much producing going on, but this <clears throat> is, this is awesome. It's, this is how you should do it. This this was my favorite album of the week for sure. I mean, first of all, I just love any album that the opening sounds like it should be on the soundtrack for Frozen. Like I know I'm gonna have a good time when that happens. <laughs> yeah. And this definitely was really proggy. Um, they there was still some very small and subtle black metal influences that I felt too was more akin to like Bathory during like their like Viking metal years and not really necessarily the kind of black metal that Enslaved started playing in the beginning and earlier years of the band. Mm-hmm. And I love it. There's this like opethy kind of vibe going on. And, you know, apparently that's the only band I, I listen to because I talk about them all the time on this show. <laughs> but I love this. I thought this album was excellent. And um, I, I really appreciate the direction they're taking it. And there still is like a little heaviness. It's not, it's definitely like, again, I would say this is kind of like a Blackwater Park damnation kind of era, like opeth with like a little bit of Bathory in it. And also still, there's moments that sound like enslaved, which I think is also really awesome. They still have a piece of themselves in the music. It's not like they've taken a total left turn. Totally. And the cleanest scream I've ever heard. 
I it it's weird. He's like, I know he's screaming, but it doesn't sound. It weirdly kind of doesn't sound raspy at all, or it's very pristine. Well done. Well, it's very it's very unique. Like uh, his scream is one of the most I think more recognizable and, and unique in the entire genre. Uh, I agree with Casey. This is by far my favorite, most favorite record of the week. But I've I've been a fan of this band for a long time. I was really into their albums, Vertebrae and Rune. That was actually a really big influence on God Forbid's album, Earth's Blood. We were into Enslaved. Got to got to see them live. And I think they're really one of. I think in some respects, it's kind of not fair to compare them to Opeth because I think they've gone out in these really ambitious and experimental uh, avenues of their own accord. And it's, I don't think it sounds like Opeth. It's to me, when they do it, it sounds like Enslaved. And uh, I just, I think they're truly brilliant and inventive and versatile and nothing and everything feels genuine. Every move they do feels like it's coming from a place of exploration and artistry. And they're, they're really real craftsmen. Everything fits. Everything is just well put together and, and it feels fresh. And it's, I, just, I don't know, I, any of these bands have been doing it for that long and still feel that vital. Like it makes me very excited and like inspired. So, yeah. I, I, will, say, I will say you're right. You know, I, I guess sounds like Opeth is misleading because I wouldn't say necessarily sounds like it, but there's an influence there that's definitely akin to Opeth, I guess is more the... Yeah, it's in the same uh, genre, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. not that... If yeah, you like I Opeth, that, you might yeah, like Right, totally could be interpreted differently. I guess that's just what it has a reminiscence of. Genuine was a good word too, because the, uh, like, I'm I'm new to Enslaved, and normally I feel like an album like this would set off my bullshit meter. It did not. Everything sounded like, uh, like it was made by motherfuckers who know what they're doing. Um, everything sounded really good like the clean vocals sound really good this these are veteran they have honed uh every piece of like they know exactly what they're good at and they know how to shape it and do they're not good at everything <laughs> they're yeah kind of good at everything. they're kind of good at everything i know nothrak and darkenment fuck yes <laughs> Anal is in the title. Uh, they made up a word. Fuck yes. This no, they didn't. No, I didn't. In Irish. No. In Darkenment. No, it's from Excalibur. Me. It Excalibur. means. Let me look. It means snake breath. Oh, yeah. In Darkenment? Oh, that part. Yeah, <laughs> they made that up. That I meant is they made up a word. <laughs> in Darkenment. <laughs> technically, all words are made up. But That's I, true. I see your point. <laughs> yeah, and, I like and I like when uh, I like when bands make up words. I'm bored of the words that already exist. Yeah, <laughs> let's get some new ones. Yeah, no, like wormitude. What does that mean? I love I love this band and I love this uh, stuff. I love this new stuff. I mean, it kind of sounds like everything they've done, which is fine with me. It's just brutal and over the. It sounds to me like guys who are so pissed they can't even get the riffs out they're just like <laughs> it's just like so overwhelming uh i have a funny story about that that's kind of related to that idea red cord played a festival right before this band 
now I feel like I'm going to say the name wrong, Anal Nathrak. Uh, and I was really excited to watch him. It was a, you know, rented backline or whatever. So I was like, oh yeah, this is a pretty, I was talking to the guitar player. I said, this is a pretty good rig. I just have, this is what I got out of it. And he was like, I don't care. I just turn everything up. I don't even care. I just plug into anything. He was like, I'll plug into anything and just turn it all up. It doesn't even, <laughs> he's like, I just wanted to make noise and be ridiculous. So I was like, what? <laughs> They'll do that. That <laughs> rules. This is my number one of the week, just because it's fun. Like it's weird. It's weird. They're like, they're noisy. And it's like, we've talked about versions of this type of band that we don't like, but I can clearly hear that these dudes are having such a good time doing that. There's, there's, the timing is right in this album. Everything is timed appropriately for me to enjoy all of these pieces. Nothing lasts too long. Like the riffs change enough. L had such a good time. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this a lot. You know, uh, for me, I've talked about this before, death metal needs to really stand out. And this is an example of that through and through. Uh, you know, it's vicious, it's furious, but at the same time, there's melody to it. There's moments of drama. Uh, you know, it's not just like a regular good cop, bad cop vocal thing. Like all the vocals mm -hmm. feel so carefully placed and add something extra to the song. They're not just doing it for the sake of doing it. They're doing it to create this atmosphere and this texture. I love this record. I really do. Uh, this is a band that I feel I kind of I kind of have ignored because I just assumed they were just like the same ignorant death metal as everyone else. And I, I feel ashamed that I didn't really uh, pay too much attention to them because I love this record. And I'm definitely after this going to revisit some of their other stuff because this really rules. Yeah, this is one of those bands that name I've seen around forever. But because of this show, I have the opportunity to actually finally check out. And I thought it was really good. It reminded me a little bit of older Dimmu Borgir. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, but that actually, when the melodic vocals first started, though, it kind of threw me off because I was it came in so hard. I was like, okay, okay. And then they got a little, they got a little soft. I was like, oh, I was like, okay, now. Does it, but then I got used to it and I kind of understood what their what their vibe was. One thing I did not like about the records, it I could be wrong, but the drums sounded very programmed and fake. And I don't know if they were or not, or if I'm just projecting that. And it's definitely one of the laziest album covers I've seen in a long time. That, yeah. you know, that was, you know, that was not, they didn't have a lot of board meetings before they put that together. So yeah, they were, yeah, it's literally just like, all right, what if the, so the logo, old paper? I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> their label saying, guys, this is the deadline. Them saying, fuck, we forgot about artwork. Just throw something together, man. Like this is an example of their dude. Their, they did their homework too late and just handed it in. Listen, if you're too lazy to get a skull on it, then I don't know. What to do. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I will say maybe this is a deliberate statement. <laughs> they don't want to be lumped in as your average death metal bands. So maybe that's why they did this to be a little more like, hey, I don't know. It just looks like an internal bleeding demo from right. like 1994, you know? That's all, you know. <laughs> Like all the all like the death Corey bands from like the mid nineties that you would that would play in like Castle Heights and, and Queens would have demos <laughs> that look like that. Yeah. What if uh okay, so it's our logo, it's our it's our booger logo, but we're gonna put it on a book? <laughs> look like it's on a book. A little twist. Low expectations though. Like at the covers, 
this shoddy, how good can the music be? Like, oh, pretty fucking cool. Nice it's great. I think it did. And hit, I think I went in being like, all right, band camp metal. Here we go. And that's not what I got. Right. Uh, no, the so music was right. definitely above that. Yeah. Music quality. Very good. I can't uh, uh, I can't speak to the drums um, really because they, they were just for most of it. It's just like uh, so I wasn't I don't know if, about if this. They're fake. They distracted me. I don't know about this record in particular, but I think in the past they've had session guys play, but it's just very cleaned up on, you know, like replaced or whatever so that it sounds. Yeah, I could be totally wrong. So I don't, yeah. I'm just kind of. I think they, I think they, I don't know if they've had like a, a regular guy. I feel like they've, maybe they've had different people play on it, but. I looked it up, there was two guys in the band, so. Yeah. Yeah, and then they have like, I th- I thought they had a session, I think they had a session drummer. Maybe they, maybe they just do that live. I don't know, maybe they do program it. All right, we're talking about the new single from Sumac, The Iron Chair. Mike, would you like to start us off since your boy, Brian, is in this band too? This one's interesting because I think Sumac is unique in the genre of heavy music where whether people know it or not, a lot of it is improv. And even the records are improv too. So when you do that, you have to take on a jazz mindset as far as take the long ride and wait till they fall into something. So sometimes they're feeling something out and the payoff can be worth it. So not that you have to sift through unpleasant parts, but it's an experience more so than just like, that's a fucking riff or that's a hook. They might fall into that. But um, so I think it's a very vulnerable, admirable approach to take because they're not trying to write the catchiest riffs and record ever. It's very, I, I wouldn't do that. I'm not, the kind of musician who was like, let's just fuck it, let's go for it, let's see what happens. I, I, I'm too uh, meticulous and planned out to do that. So I think it's the approach alone I have a lot of respect for. And the fact to put it in a rock format is kind of wild to do also. So with this particular release, um, I think Aaron's guitar playing stood out to me as like, oh, that's a really cool line right there. So um, yeah, I enjoyed you know, hearing that approach again with this one. Totally. Aaron, Aaron Turner is one of the bravest, uh, like, musicians. He, you know, I think to the untrained ear, when you hear an Aaron Turner project, especially maybe, like, currently, like, it can all kind of bleed together. But they're, but they're different experience. Like, Sumac, as you said, is improv. And then, like, you know, so much of, like, old man gloom is like built off of like samples and weird shit. Like it's always unmistakable, but you could, it's unmistakable the way that he builds his soundscapes and such. Uh, I was a, I was a huge fan. I'm always here for just the sound journey of, uh, of Aaron and the boys. What do you got? What do you think, Katie? You know, I typically, I, there, I have some mixed feelings. I don't know. I mean, I, there's bands that I listen to that do this like ASMR kind of approach that I really enjoy. Like for instance, Pig Destroyer or Lingua Ignota or Benighted. But in this, it, something about it didn't quite grab me. Like in those instances where there's something that maybe feels a little more artful and deliberate. And maybe hearing you guys talking about it now puts it in perspective to me. It's because it's improv. So there is nothing necessarily deliberate about it. But I think it, it shows because to me, it just felt like it was kind of meandering 
and not going anywhere. I like these noisy droney things, but when they feel like they have a purpose, when they lead you to somewhere and this, I felt just didn't really lead me anywhere. I got to be honest. Um, I, I, but hearing you guys talk about it and hearing your perspective makes me think maybe I don't really get it and need to maybe listen to it a little more, absorb it more. No, you but, don't. Yeah. They don't. Don't, don't try and get it when don't, don't let them brainwash. I, I try right? to listen. I try you are to correct. Open mind. Listen to your soul. Don't listen to these people. Don't try to, don't listen to them. You, you know what, you know, you didn't like it. You Say did. I didn't like it. I didn't get it. I it just got meandering like it went nowhere. Thank you, Doc. But for real, listen right. to your perspective. Right. Get on my side. Come, about it. come over here. We got beverages and snacks. Come with me. Come on. <laughs> I'm not in the band, so. Don't do it. He's going to make you think Bob Seeger sounds like something else that's going to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, this, this shit is not for fucking everybody. Like Aaron Turner is weird. Like Aaron Turner thinks that a lawnmower is an instrument. <laughs> like you have like to, jackal like huh? a chainsaw like jackal <laughs> no like literally on the old man gloom record he's literally like pointing a shotgun mic at like his neighbor mowing his lawn like and that's on the record and that's by itself it's just a lawnmower <laughs> so i liked the i liked it as i uh tend to like pretty much everything i've heard that aaron's done um, I didn't actually know that this project was improv, which changes my perspective of it quite a bit because it's um, I'm kind of terrified of improvising musically because, mm. you know, you can't everybody will see you and your flaws and all the stupid, dumb things you do on your dumb instrument. <laughs> so I uh, so I said it's really impressive to me, um, but I like it. I've always liked his pl guitar playing style and um growled and all that so i think it's um yeah i mean i only listened to it once so if i listen to it a few times it might change my opinion but get well, in there doc yell yeah, at doc, go, had, go. yeah you had to leave me for last because i got i got i got some thoughts so <laughs> i when i first heard the first song i i was like oh yeah this sounds improvised so that it's that one is, song no no there's an album i heard one song and if there was no, an it, album, it's eight minutes no it keeps going there's more songs you just keep clicking through but anyway, what? no, it it's it says it's one song that's eight minutes. No, you if you click through, no, there's three songs. There's it's it's Iron Chair, uh, Consumed, which is 16, 17 minutes, and Laughter and Silence, which is nine minutes. You look at the right album or right thing. May you be held. Is that correct? No, it's I don't have. Yeah, man, May You Be Held is. I heard one song. I'm. I'm with Jordan. Songs. I only heard the one song, and I didn't like it. I didn't. Well, hear all right. So the guy who did his homework is going to talk right now, right? So I'm wait. Hold on. Is it only on Bandcamp or something? It's not on. Yeah, because I got it on Spotify. Yeah, on Spotify. I thought it was just a single. No, it's on Bandcamp. All right, Doc Cole did his homework, so he's going to talk. All right. Oh, so let me talk about this as the guy who listened through. Okay. Now there are three tracks on this record. Sorry, I'm rubbing my chest, but I'm feeling myself. Um, <laughs> there are only three songs. I only made it through the second one. Now, like I said, the first track, it sounds improvised. It sounds kind of jazzy. I'm like, hey, is there something happening here? It's not really totally my vibe. But here's why I get off the train, all right? We live in an attention economy, all right? It's hard to get people's attention, right? And this is the same thing I complained about that Primitive Man record, all right? No one has time. Track The second track, it's three minutes of feedback to start the song. Then 
Then this, the part comes in and it's one note, just do, 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 do. And then that goes for another two minutes. And then I realized, I was like, you know what? This, I, and I was, was like, I, I got to stop being so judgmental with it and realizing I don't think music like this, they're making it for other people to listen to. I think they're making it for themselves and for the experience. Um, and so in that respect, it's like, and the reason why I say that is because I don't know about you guys, I don't have a lot of time. So when I want to hear some something, I want to get something out of it. I don't have fucking time to listen to feedback. That's not, I'm sorry. You, at a certain point, you got to say, what is actual musical experience? When am I going to the museum and looking at a blank page and be like, wow, that's so transcendent. What they're doing with the blood, you know, they paint something white. And then if you don't get it, you're like not. So there's an element of that that I think is it's only pretentious if you think they're doing it for you. But I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and saying, I don't think it's for that. It's for their experience. And they're letting you in on that. And whatever you get out of that is what you get out of that. But I did write a poem <laughs> about this. You guys want to hear my poem? Of yes. course we want to hear yes. your, your poem. poem. Okay. <laughs> all right, let me try to get us through a straight case. All right. I did not like this record. I did not like it when I was sailing. I did not like it because they were failing. I did not like it because Trump stole the mail in. I did not like it because 2020 killed Van Halen. Well done. Yep. Oh yeah. Hey, uh, that was wonderful. That's poetry Jam by Doc. That was a wonderful <laughs> poem, but I think I have to disagree and yeah. partially agree with you. Yeah, I have, to, I have to agree with some some of that and disagree with other parts. The part about making stuff for yourself versus other people, I think that some of those guys making you know a ten minute long feedback song or whatever it is, yeah, in some cases maybe it's a little of both. You know, like maybe it's like I'm making this for me because I know I love it and it's weird and I and it's just for me. But I know there's another person out there like me who will also love it, and that's just maybe it's just one guy, but that guy's gonna be fired up you know, about this 10 minute long feedback song I'm doing or whatever, you know? I, I, I think that like that doc, like that's a valid take minus like, I guess if you, how much you consider vibe to be part of a musical experience. Cause I know that some people feedback are, is not, you know, this, right. can so be we have some right here. We have Mike Sullivan, who's one of the most brilliant people I've ever seen use guitar effects in my life where there is an idea of like drone and then also like creating something. But listen, any one of us that here that doesn't play, Katie, do you play guitar? No, but I can create feedback for three and yes, a half minutes exactly. if you wanted me to, yeah. Exactly. All you'd have to do is stand there and the shit would feedback. And yeah. all I'm saying I, is- I, I hear, I, it is I hear you. To think, I'm sorry, it's pretentious to think that you can start a song for three minutes and that that is supposed to be interesting, it's not. In any case, like it's one thing if it's like here's a vibe, like when it goes from South of Heaven into Silent Scream, right? That feedback, it's almost iconic, right? Where it goes from one song to the other and it, it lasts just long enough to build the tension when it and then that makes sense. But just to have something of, of nothingness, and I get this idea of negative space, and then it, but then the song doesn't go anywhere. And I get it that it's imp improvised. And I think that's fine, 
but I still have to, I'm saying like, I need something to get out of it. And what did I get out of that? I didn't feel, and I guess it's all subjective and whatever you feel is accurate to how you feel. There's no right answer here. Devil driver dealing with demons. It sounds like devil driver. Damn it, Jordan, you stole my one thing. Uh, so it's like devil I, driver. I, honestly, if you like devil driver, you will like this album. Absolutely. It sounds like devil driver. This band is consistent. Uh, it's on Napalm Records, uh, and it's not a pirate song. <laughs> well, I, I want to chime in. So I'm, this is a band I'm, I'm definitely not subjective on. The drummer of Bad Wolves, who founded the band, was the main guy in Devil Driver for however long, wrote a lot of their music, and I've known the guys forever. Um, I actually think it is quite a, as much a departure they, they've had. Um, but I, I was actually trying to think about it, and I was like, Devil Driver is just like a metal band. Like, I can't even say like, oh, they're a thrash metal band or a metal, they're just like a metal band. And I think they are moving out and trying to do some things um, differently. But, you know, I think it's for them. I think it actually is a pretty step, cool step forward. And I think it's tough when you've had a band for 10, 15 years and you're, especially when you're in that kind of like heavy realm, but still somewhat uh, accessible to a certain degree and still keep it fresh. And I do think they're actually moving in some directions that's different while still maintaining their, the devil driver sound you guys quite put it. But I do think it's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't say it's not bad at all. It's yeah. cool. All right. Well, that does it for us here at Last Words. That was our conversation about Eddie Van Halen and also Doc hating performative art. Mike McKenzie, where can the people find you and what are you working on? You can check out uh, nightedthrone.com, which is my label. I'm putting out uh, a few projects beyond the six seals. Got an another record coming out and there's more things I'm sure that I forgot about. Also gunface.com. That's my other website. Hell yeah. Mike Sullivan, where can the people follow you and do you want to talk about music that you're making and stuff? I'm not too active online. Um, I play in Russian circles, so that can be found. I'm working on music, but I encourage everybody to keep proactive, keep creative, keep positive. This has been a crazy year, and everyone's doing a lot of cool art these days and cool music. So just keep digging in, keep writing, and keep loving your instrument. Eddie was a hero to all of us, one of the most inspiring musicians I've ever seen. So do take a bit of Eddie and apply it to whatever you do. And, uh, and yeah, so just stay, stay positive and stay creative. Hell yeah. Be a weird uh, sound scientist. Yeah. Katie. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Merciful Kate. Doc. You can find Doc Feedback Coil at, <laughs> at Doc Coil, or you can check out my website, www.doccoil.net. Please follow me on Instagram at two minutes to late night on Twitter at two M two L N. Well, that does it for us here at the last words podcast. If you want to leave us a comment and tell us what to talk about next time, go to our YouTube channel and check out the video. Also, you can follow us on all social media at we are the pit. If there's something we didn't talk about in this episode, let us know in the comments. We read them. We really do. We are here every Thursday. We are talking about metal. For you. We do it for you. See you then.